Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 329 of Linux in the Ham Shack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And we will be doing our short format show tonight for you, where we will have amateur radio and open source topics and some topics which combine amateur radio and open source together in our Linux in the Ham Shack segment. And then we'll just let you go on about your lives. Mm-hmm. And then you can come back in a week. Well, in a few yeah, days, a few actually. Days, yeah. And, uh, get some hedonism on but for right now we're just going to talk about some amateur radio stuff and we have uh, a a topic that's on everybody's mind and lips at this point i mean you basically can't walk around without hearing about it did we say who's here yet no we did not i was just going to say so are we just going to leave them wondering yeah who's talking to him tonight okay i figured we just do it backwards land and we'll start at the end and <laughs> come back to okay. the beginning How about that? sure okay <laughs> Uh, but since you guys have only narrow minds and can only do things in one direction, I guess we'll start by saying I'm Ross K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. And that, now that we've gotten through all of that and everybody can sort of recenter themselves, uh, we'll let Bill talk about the coronavirus. The lead topic, yes. So this is just hot off the presses today. Dayton Hamvention officials keeping an eye on coronavirus situation. Yeah, with the dem data, with the Dayton Hamvention 2020, a little more than 10 weeks away, Hamvention officials say they are closely following the coronavirus COVID-19 situation. Show organizers will post updates as the May 15th to 17th event nears, but they're optimistic that coronavirus will not be an issue. At this time, in quotes, at this time, the Hamvention Executive Committee has been in contact with the Green County Public Health Department, and we do not anticipate any impact because of this issue. A March 3rd Hamvention statement said the Green County Public Health Department reports of no cases, <coughs> reports that no cases of COVID-19 have been confirmed in Ohio. Uh, in quotes again, Green County Public Health is working closely with the Ohio Department of Health and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and are prepared to respond should there be a community spread of COVID-19. The Hamvention statement noted, the current risk uh, to the general public is very low. Travel advisories are in effect uh, and can change at any time. So please see the CDC travel advisory webpage before traveling. And that was from the ARRL. I'm sure that if something happens with the coronavirus, you know, over the next couple of months, that the only thing that will affect is maybe people who are able to get into the country. Uh, but I would think overall, it shouldn't be an issue for Hamvention, although they will, they'll definitely have to have some sort of measures there because, you know, 25,000 people all in the same place, 
a, a, sort, with a lot a of them coming in from overseas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, if it's if it's bad in an overseas place, you know, they'll have a travel ban or something like that. But you still have get a lot of people in in one spot, and you know that's how this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> progresses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a you know some of the international travelers not actually uh, not actually making it. So. Uh, don't be surprised if some of the some of the international vendors booths are slightly empty, but uh, let's uh, let's just wait and see on it, and uh, hopefully it'll be it'll be a big nothing, and it'll happen because I already booked my flight, so <laughs> that that money is spent already. So uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe they'll give us a a, a possible COVID nineteen discount on the booth uh, on top of the. Uh, <laughs> See if they're doing that yet. I, I couldn't even imagine if, um, yeah, like if they were to actually cancel exactly what would be the monetary impact to the that little southern area of Ohio <laughs> that has, you know, 99% occupancy rate and all these hotels and everything else. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it would be several million dollars. Oh, I'm sure. Between Between food and hotels and car rentals and flights and stuff like that oh yeah just i mean just the those three days there in dayton generate uh i I wonder if anyone's calculated the revenue it generates but i think they have a number because when they moved it over there they were discussing that and that that had been published kind of the economic impact to the area so i'm sure they're well aware of the uh, impact for that but yeah like don saying in the chat room f5 agility was canceled i believe google io was canceled as well so uh, it's not unheard of at this point, but a lot of those are affected by a lot of international travel as well. So um, I don't think I don't think Hamvention's quite as impacted by that. You know, vendors, yes, but like general attendees, probably not as much. Well, um, I don't know. I would say probably a, a third, a fourth, a third of the attendees probably fly in from overseas somewhere. Oh, well, that'd be I'm just guessing, but there's a lot of people that stop by our booth it, it and does say, seem like there are "Hi, I'm from the, Brazil or from you know wherever, you know, or Mexico, or, or Mexico, or Hungary, or, or wherever." Yeah, yeah, several from Japan. So, I I don't know if it adds up to twenty percent or twenty five percent, but there's there's going to be a number of them. So yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the next topic, which is an amateur radio topic, and it's ready for that CEO position. The AWRL is seeking a new CEO. Again, <laughs> the chief executive officer is responsible for implementing board policy to achieve the ARRL's goals, strategies, and plans for the betterment of amateur radio and the growth of the organization. The CEO will lead the league's staff and management in designing, promoting, and supporting programs and services for its members and other amateurs. The CEO, with input from management, collaborates with the board and other officers in developing and updating the strategic plan and is responsible for periodically assessing performance against it. Through his or her management team, the CEO is responsible for monitoring regulatory developments, directing advocacy and public relations efforts in support of amateur radio domestically and worldwide, and working cooperatively with sister societies. The CEO is responsible for corporate compliance and for budgeting, tracking, and reporting financial results. So if you want that job, a link to where you can apply for it presumably yeah <laughs> yeah that's like the uh the summary of the job description so uh yeah if you're interested obviously they're looking and uh they're, I've, I've heard they want an actual amateur so uh, maybe somebody actually uses a radio once in a while 
That might uh, be nice. That, that, it seemed like the CEO of the AWRL might have that as a job requirement. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a good thing, you know, not just a, oh, I got this license. and <laughs> But being active in the community is, is it would be great. People who take on large jobs who aren't actually qualified for them, see what happens with that, you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is a there's a slight derivation at the CEO level because sometimes it's like, yeah, you just got to be a good bean counter and not necessarily good at anything else or like be the, you know, the image, the face of the organization. Um, so sometimes there's, you know, charisma that you want. And then, you know, maybe the secondary thing is actually the, the serving purpose is, you know, oh, yeah, you have to also be a ham. <laughs> true, true. But the job description we just read sort of indicates that there's a hands-on aspect to this or at least a uh, more than more than just oversight um role yeah. in that position so <clears throat> yeah let's hope we get a good one this time and uh hey if you're uh if you're qualified and at that level you know you could have the highest paid job that the AWRL has so <laughs> there you go go for it hey throw in a resume what the hell <laughs> Uh, and since the uh, the story after this story is uh, sort of a Bill story, let's see if we can get Cheryl to uh, read the not Bill story. I, I know you you just finished your mouthful, so no, you should be no, good no, to no, go. no, no. I was looking, <laughs> I was looking to see if there's anything online about how many people that come to Hamvention that are not actually oh, U.S. residents. Visitors, yeah, yeah. yeah well, you can you can look that up when Bill is spouting off about the Boy Scouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime. All right, all right. I all right. had to. I had to get. I, I know you had to go back to it. That's why yeah, I was yeah. trying to cover for you. <laughs> it's like no, like you don't get to cut this out later, anyway. So, <laughs> but I don't. Right, whatever. <laughs> so the next story is K Seven UAZ Radio Club helps prepare satellite radio station for space camp at Biosphere Two. So it's in preparation for the upcoming space camp at Biosphere 2, members of the University of Arizona K7UAZ Amateur Radio Club are helping with the placement of an amateur radio satellite ground station. The first step was to mount the Yazoo G5500 AZEL rotor system on a RON45 tower. The complete station will include circuitly polarized M2 beam antennas for 2 meters and 70 centimeters, an ICOM IC9700, computers, and tracking software. Kurt Lawman, K7ZOO, station manager for the K7UAZ Club, reports that Space Camp Management is enthusiastic about having UAZ students help with the installation and setup of the station. Student involvement will also include calibrating the rotator system, mapping the artificial horizon for the tracking software and integration, and testing the tracking software with radio. Now, in its third year, Space Camp Biosphere 2 will be held August 3rd through the 8th, 2020. Excuse me. Space Camp at Biosphere 2 is a joint effort with the University of Arizona Biosphere 2, the Arizona NASA Space Grant Consortium, and the University of Kyoto, Japan. Japan? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Students attending the camp will experience college-level curriculum and activities focusing on the biological and environmental facets of space travel. And more information is available at the University of Arizona's website, and that IP will be in the show notes. And there's, oh, and actually, that's uh, apparently AMSATS was the source for this. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sounds like a station that should be connected to SATNOX. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really cool. All right. So, Bill. Oh, oh it must be me. <laughs> it must be a scout thing. Oh, yes. 
So yeah, so uh yeah, padding the the roster here. Yeah, National Jamboree 2021 K2BSA operation announced. How about that? The K2BSA has announced a recruiting effort for the National Jamboree 2021 to be held uh, July 17th through July 31st, 2021 at the Summit Bechtel Reserve in West Virginia. We're looking for active radio scouters who are willing to donate two weeks or one week at this event and want to do amateur radio demonstrations, radio merit badge classes, satellite demonstrations, SDR demos, and Morse code interpreter strip testing and practice. Da 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 da. <laughs> While the full details and scale of the operation have been fully finalized, because I'm working on them, uh, those interested amateurs are requested to submit a staff survey on the K2BSA website. And if you're ready to apply and make the commitment, you can head over to the Jamboree site and submit your application there. Uh, the sessions, let's see, we have three sessions. The full session is from the 17th through the 31st, although it's not necessarily the 17th. The 17th is an early arrival day. Um, that would be the two week period. And that does cost eight ninety five, eight hundred ninety five dollars Uh, you do have to pay for your food and, you know, housing. <laughs> uh, there's uh, two other sessions. There's an early session that runs from the seven seventeen to seven twenty four, and that's $500. And the session two is the coming in midweek or, you know, mid jamboree at set on seven twenty four, and runs to the end on seven thirty one. So, uh, yeah, we've been, uh, I've been getting quite a few applications. I have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, six full timers already through the process. So that's really good. Uh, such an early start here and getting a lot of interest in it. Um, I've been talking to a lot of, a lot of people on the, on the phone. <laughs> that's why I was uh, on the phone the other night <laughs> talking to yet another applicant, uh, interested in doing it. So, uh, if you have, uh, questions or, or interested in it and don't know where to start, um, please feel free to contact me directly and I can help you answer all of those questions. And yeah, hopefully I'll have all the details out here probably in the next, uh, next few months as they also solidify budgeting and everything else for the event. Cool. I would apply if it was paid for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still waiting for that paycheck. We just keep adding zeros to everybody's paycheck, and they seem pretty happy. <laughs> you do end up with a little bit of swag. I don't have what the, we're giving out this year, but uh, um, every year we always have uh, stuff, stuff that goes out to the participants and stuff like that. Um, and everybody always, even though it's long and tiring and hot and wet and... <laughs> um, Everybody always enjoys it. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of satisfaction in, in, in making the event occur and seeing it come out as such a great success for, uh, for, you know, introducing the youth to amateur radio. And that's something we always talk about as, you know, on this program and a bunch of other ones is, you know, how do you get youth involved? You know, you just keep showing it to them, keep showing it to them <laughs> you know, in any way you can <laughs> and as often as you can. Uh, yeah, fortunately, unfortunately, this is only every four years, but we do have a pretty, uh, pretty big uh, group that, uh, does travel through that, uh, that event. So, uh, we're hoping to at least hit the same numbers as we hit four years ago. Uh, well, three years ago, I guess, uh, 2017 National Jamboree, which was a, about 3,000 scouts. So, so hoping to get another 3,000 through the station and, uh, and do some, uh, radio merit badges there. So, oh, very good. So let's get the hell away from the Boy Scouts now. And we'll move into open source topics. And the first one is 
Kubeflow 1.0 Cloud Native ML for everyone. On behalf of the entire community, obviously this is written from their perspective, uh, we are proud to announce Kubeflow 1.0, our first major release. Kubeflow is open. In other words, don't use it. Wait till 1.1. <laughs> um, Kubeflow is open sourced at KubeCon USA in December 2017. And during the last two years, the Kubeflow project has grown beyond our wildest expectations. There are now hundreds of contributors from over 30 participating organizations. Kubeflow's goal is to make it easy for machine learning engineers and data scientists to leverage cloud assets, public or on-premise, for machine learning workloads. You can use Kubeflow on any Kubernetes conformant cluster. With 1.0, we are graduating a core set of stable applications needed to develop, build, train, and deploy models on Kubernetes efficiently. You can read more about that in the versioning policies and application requirements. Uh, graduating applications include Kubeflow's UI, the central dashboard, Jupyter Notebook Controlled and Web App, TensorFlow Operator, TF Job, and PyTorch Operator for distributed training, KFCTL for deployment and upgrades, and Profile Controller and UI for multi-user management. And that came from the presumably journal Medium. Oh, well, it's the blogging platform Medium. <laughs> okay, the blogging platform Medium. <laughs> so if uh, machine learning, Kubeflow, and Kubernetes mean anything to you, that might uh, be a story of interest. Yeah, I mean, machine learning keeps on popping up in topics, so it's always interesting to see a new uh, new project. Well, not I guess not necessarily new, but <laughs> a, a project kind of you know coming to uh, coming to a good uh, milestone in its its uh, its uh, longevity or whatever. <laughs> It's existence, <laughs> whatever. I can't, can't think of the right word right now. So, but, well, uh, so, um, so the beginning of the end of the world has begun because they now have a 1.0. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. Very good. So the next one I'll do. Okay. You can do the next one. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, let, Does that mean Cheryl can do the one after that? Is it? Is no. that like, oh, Cheryl yeah, says can, now. She can read it. Come on. That's not bad. So, okay. So yeah, this one is uh, something I've been playing with. Uh, it's a lineage OS Android distribution, uh, a free and open source operating system for various devices based on the Android mobile platform. While the blog hasn't been updated since last year, daily builds are appearing for popular devices. I personally have been experimenting with this on my one plus three, which is a older phone now, but uh, still a very, uh, very hackable phone. I use it uh, mainly for hotspotting and just kind of messing around with. Um, while your mileage may vary and bricking your device is always a possibility anytime you flash your phone, uh, this is an interesting and well-developed open source alternative to stock builds for your phone and a way for you to de-Google your Android phone. And right now I, I only have the Lineage OS on there. I don't have any of the, the Google App Store or the Google Apps or G Apps or whatever you call it, all that stuff. So it's, it's interesting because like it has a, you know, a good set of apps for the phone. So basic stuff that you would want in your smartphone, calendaring, audio, video, you know, stuff like that. Uh, ca you know, calculator, <laughs> but like there's no app store. There's no, no, it doesn't have any games either. So it's, uh, yeah, I was thinking, you know, after looking at this, like, oh, this would be perfect to kind of hand to a kid that you don't want playing video games on a phone because you don't want them to kind of get into that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this is actually, uh, actually pretty clean for doing that. Um, since there are no specific apps for stuff like Facebook and, you know, stuff like that, obviously you can't do those, but you can do them through the browser. So you're not, you know, totally, you know, hand tied where you, you can't actually do that. 
but um but yeah it's it's an interesting uh an interesting uh os for your for your phone as a replacement um <clears throat> i've also tried a, a few other ones in this in this process because i was uh i was originally just trying to you know mess around with my own phone <clears throat> and uh yeah no sudoku no <laughs> um ted there um and uh yeah i was like oh well let me just start flashing some images and trying them out so i tried one called the uh, dirty unicorns <laughs> which had a really cool boot screen um and of course i had all the google stuff already in it as well um and that that installed fine and no problems and then i i started playing around with this one so this is the one that's currently on there and running and uh even though it's a daily build i mean i just you know i got the build from the 22nd i think was the Oh, the second, I think it was <laughs> something like that. <clears throat> the second's build. So yeah, so it's a, it's a day old. I flashed it yesterday morning again. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty solid for, uh, for, uh, for a daily build on the phone. So you obviously need a, a rooted phone. No, you just need one that's flashable and a supported device. Right. Okay. So yeah, you just OEM unlock the phone. So you just, uh, go into fast boot and do the fast boot, uh, OEM unlock. And then basically you, uh, you load a, uh, a recovery image. I used uh, twerp or TRWP, uh, as the recovery image. And then you can load whatever the heck you want through, uh, through an ADB connection. So, or your ADB uh, side load, <clears throat> including I, I reflashed it to, uh, to, uh, uh, the actual OnePlus, um, software again, uh, the other day as well. Just kind of trying out some different kits and stuff like that on there so yeah it, it's kind of fun i haven't i haven't really messed with the, the phones that much in this detail and it's kind of good practice to to kind of get back into trying and doing that and, and seeing what's out there because there's a lot of a lot of other linuxy os's for phones that are available and the OnePlus seems to be one of those devices that's uh readily uh readily done because there's a lot of a lot of other projects kind of you know messing around with that platform but there's a slew of devices that you can you can actually uh, flash for flash your phone with all right does it does it do tablets do you know um i i don't know i didn't i didn't look to see if any tablets were supported but um i'm, I'm assuming any android device would would be fair game at some point as long as the actual uh, you know hardware itself is supported all right all right, cool. So we do have one more open source topic that Cheryl can read. You you knew it was coming. I don't know why you're surprised. Because you guys usually handle all this. Well, it's just reading. I mean, yeah, it's not. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, right. you, don't, you don't have to interpret this one. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Gotcha. So. Okay. So the next one is S-Rain is the new GTK IRC client for Linux desktops. At its heart, SRAIN is an IRC client that lets you connect to multiple IRC servers, join multiple IRC channels, and chat using text. But while it's far from groundbreaking, SRAIN does do a number of new and novel things that other, older IRC clients for Linux do not. Things which happen to personally bug me about IRC in general. And this is not me that said this. This is Bill, obviously. Bill, yeah. No, it's actually from the OMG. Oh, it's, oh, it's author. from, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's from OMG Ubuntu. Umgabuntu. Yeah, there you go. Umgabuntu. Just read. Are you going to continue doing your little dance over there? No, I'm trying to eat. He's going to act like a gorilla or something over there in his chair. So... 
the uh it says first up is the url url previews srain parses urls contain in irc messages to detect what the linked content is and show a preview of it this feature is enabled by default and can be disabled with some configuration next is the way the app shows and formats messages quote unquote rather than separate them line by line like a traditional irc client SRAIN channel logs look more like an instant messenger chat, i.e. nice to look and easy to read. And that information came from OMG Ubuntu. Yes, and I have uh, SRAIN, I guess. It's either called SRAIN or SRAIN. I don't know. One or the other. I've heard it said both ways. Yeah, so uh, I have it installed, and I have it connected to our chat channel. Of course, uh, yeah, it was very exciting. (laughs) Very very exciting. Anyway, it uh, it works. Um, it uh, I can see why some people would like it because it has the chat bubbles. But uh, if you're in a real busy channel, let's say like you know pound pound ham radio, or you're over on uh, the Reddit net channel, over on uh, whatever that network is, uh, I can't even remember. <laughs> Reddit net. Anyway, you know you know what I'm talking about there. Um, yeah, it would be very busy and it would kind of remind you of a very busy, I don't know, like, uh, um, what is that other software called? Telegram. So it kind of would be just like Telegram and with all those little bubbles that are, you know, at some point, if you're not watching it actively, it becomes very noisy to kind of go back and look at. So it wouldn't be for me as a daily driver and the uh, configuration appears to be text file based and, like you don't really get a, like any hints on it. So I'm assuming you have to read into documentation to do any advanced configuration. Apparently you can do all kinds of theming and stuff like that. If you edit all the CSS files that obviously control the coloring and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. If you're looking for an IRC client and you want something different than let's say hex chat or one of the, uh, or Ursi or, you know, one of the other many, many IRC apps that have been developed over the years. This is just another new one that uh, looks a little different. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Your mileage may vary on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. I actually might take a look at it. I'm, I'm not really big on chat clients that thread things, um, but it's worth a, a look anyway, just see what it's like. Yeah. yeah. And I think it has a flat pack install for, uh, for Linux. So that's how I installed it. I installed it via flat pack. All right. Very cool. So uh, since you kind of wound up on that one, we can uh, dogleg right into Linux in the ham shack, and we'll let you handle this first story as well. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is something. Sweet Home 3D. Uh, it doesn't sound anything like an amateur radio tool. But uh, Sweet Home 3D is a free interior design application that helps you draw in the plan of your house, arrange furniture on it, and visit the results in 3D. You may download the Sweet Home 3D to install it on your computer and or use it online with your browser. Sweet Home 3D is available in English, French, and 25 other languages. It may run under, I like how they may run, uh, it may run under Windows, Mac OS uh, 10.4 to 10.15, uh, Linux, and Solaris. Wow, Solaris. Um, anyway, Sweet Home 3D is an open source, uh, sourceforge.net project distributed under the GNU GPL. Uh, and uh, the reason why it ended up here, because I was I was looking for something that I could diagram out Boy Scout stuff with, haha, Boy Scout, ha <laughs> a Jamboree 2021 tent layout. Um, 
And, uh, believe it or not, it was very, very helpful for me to lay out. I'm, I'm laying out our three tents of 40 by 40 and, uh, three 20 by 20 tents. And, uh, it was nice to be able to kind of set out all the tables, the chairs, the partitions that we have, um, uh, set up for, for, for between the stations. And, um, I'm going to actually, uh, just grab quickly the, uh, the picture that I'm looking at right now on my desktop and put it into, uh, Oh, I actually wanted to copy that to the keyboard screenshot one more time. Cause I'm not that good at this <laughs> screenshot, take screenshot. Okay. Do it twice. And Oh yeah. Copy to clipboard. So I'm going to put it in our discord so you can see why I'm using it. And there we go. It's going, it's going, it's there. So, yeah, it allowed me to set up uh, all the tables uh, through some com- uh, TV screens and all the chairs, the partitions, and um, yeah, even I threw some computers on the on the tables too. The ones that I need uh, stations to control the radios at. And uh, what's really nice about it, beyond you can actually see everything visually in 3D, you can uh, it actually does an entire. Uh, yeah, they are green. If you've seen any pictures from the the Chamboree. They give us green, like hospital army green, you know, really bad <laughs> green, like psycho ward green <laughs> painted uh, partitions. And um, yeah, it gives you an entire inventory of everything as well, which is going to help when I have to produce a, a bill of materials for things that uh, they need to provide us for the tents. So uh I was thinking, yeah, this could be used to even like if you're doing like a shack, you're setting up your ham radio shack and you're just kind of experimenting with different size tables and stuff like that. You can get very detailed, even though mine's uh, just basically tables and chairs and, you know, the floor itself. I didn't actually build out the tent. And so you could see every you know, see the actual tent walls and stuff like that. Um you could you could get really detailed on, on stuff. So it's a really interesting tool to visualize the physical space that you're going to set up. Um, and this would be great for even doing like a planning a field day, you know, setting up tents and stuff like that and how you want it arranged. Uh, you can do, you know, obviously large spaces and, um, yeah, and then the, the library of stuff that they have already built for 3d models is pretty good. They didn't have folding chairs, which is what we'll have. So obviously I have like just regular, just armless back chairs as the stand in object for chairs, but they have stuff for, you know, you know bathroom bedroom so you can do like you know your house or whatever you want to do doors windows walls lights <laughs> just about just about everything yeah latrine green there you go <laughs> but uh yeah it was uh it's actually a pretty useful tool for um for my needs that i thought i'd share with everybody because i was i was kind of looking for something that i could diagram the stuff out with because uh you know my drawing skills are worse than stick figures and you know having something that i, I don't have to do on graph paper and i can do almost a scale uh is is incredibly useful for planning an event like this so uh yeah uh so check it out it's uh it was in the uh the, the software's download center and you guys should be able to install it in just about anything um, out there. So yeah, check out Sweet Home 3D. I will. It sounds pretty cool. And you should probably check it out too. If you've got any sort of design things that you need to do. We, we've been talking about designing 3D stuff a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> That's okay. It's a, it's a thing. It's a thing that people do. Uh, I threw in a couple stories here, so I'll read this one and then we'll see who gets to uh, the, the joy of the last story. <laughs> 
this one is get email alerts from RF Engineers Watchdog server. Uh, the RF Engineers Watchdog receiver is used by many radio stations for local and remote off-air monitoring of audio, signal level, RDS, and pilot. It turns out that the Watchdog serial interface makes it ideally suited for automating with Python. Uh, we are able to write a simple Python program to monitor the Watchdog and detect alarm conditions in less than 10 lines of code. We then extended the program to include email alerts. Uh, then Watchdog or the Watchdog receiver does not have an Ethernet port for sending out alerts over the Internet. Instead, the receiver is configured, monitored, and powered via the USB port. Thankfully, the USB port on the Watchdog makes the receiver available as a serial device, which is easy to connect in a variety of ways. We refer to this as its serial API or serial interface, and it's quite extensive. This article, uh, which will be linked in the show notes, uh, we'll go through the steps of setting up a watchdog receiver and a Raspberry Pi to work in conjunction as an internet-enabled confidence monitor. It will use the air, uh, sorry, alarmemail.py program found on GitHub. And a link to the GitHub repo is also in the show notes. And the story actually came from Radio World. And these devices, uh, Decode RDS information as well as AM, FM, uh, weather, like NOAA, NOAA weather, radio information, uh, like they say, RDS and, and pilot as well. So if you have, if you are interested in decoding any of that information or creating alerts on any of that kind of information, you can do that using this with a Raspberry Pi. The device is not cheap. It's like over $500. Um, but somebody might have a use for one. Obviously, they, they've they made them, so somebody uses them. <laughs> um, so if that's something that would interest you, you can check it out. Of course, uh, Raspberry Pi is only about 25 bucks, and the software is free. So there you go. Uh, I'll just go ahead and finish with the last one. <clears throat> uh, this is sort of a – it's an open source story in the sense that it talks about something – that is specifically not open source uh, in a pointed sort of way. Closed ham radio peripheral reveals its Windows secrets. Uh, the Student Radio Society at Trondheim owns a Flex 6500 radio with its associated Maestro panel peripheral. The Maestro is a computer containing just enough of an embedded version of Windows to run its front-end software. Unfortunately for our Norwegian radio amateur friends, it runs very little else, even to the extent of being unable to connect to public Wi-Fi that requires a web login. This was particularly annoying as the student network does this, and they'd had to create their own hotspot. So they've provided some details on how they were able to open it up to do a little bit more. Uh, a link to the full story, or the full uh, of detail of what they did will be in the show notes. It involves gaining access to the file system and a terminal through a right-click menu from a web browser screen within the Maestro software, then using that access to change configurations such that it could be exposed across the network. From there, they were able to treat it much as they would a normal Windows installation, including putting other software, such as Smart SDR, onto it. We'd say it's something of a brave move for a company to ship a feature-limited product to radio amateurs of all people, a community that has been experimenting and finding whatever means to extend the capabilities of their equipment for over 100 years. Perhaps Flex Radio's eyes are on greater things. And this story came from Hackaday. And I can't resist the opportunity to just take a little poke at Flex every once in a while, so... <laughs> Thought I would throw this in here, but uh, yeah, I wish I had the money to buy a sixty-five hundred and a Maestro while I was in college. Jeez. Well, it's the whole club, though. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's not as bad. Uh, so I think the whole society <laughs> bought one radio, and that's probably reasonable. <laughs> that's not too bad, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, with that, we have actually come down to the last of our stories for this episode, which means we have hit the social media roundup. Woo-hoo. And there's there's stuff in the social media roundup, so, so we'll let you get to it. All right. So for this time, our Patreons is Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jaquay, Donald Gover, Douglas Redder, Erno Costales, Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randolph Smith, Robert Pitts, Samuel Vime, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, Stephen Harp, and William Heckelman. We have way too many Steves. So. <laughs> no, we don't we have, have enough Steves. Dons. Yeah, well, we, we, yeah, more, we got some Dons, too. Yeah. Need more Steves, need more Dons, need more... Oh. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just everybody join us. It'll be okay. So, And our subscriptions, we have Robert Black, Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Bradak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ike, Michael Connolly, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Charlie Brown, Dylan Angle, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Yerke, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coverley, Roger Piera, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hepler, and Michael Jopling. On Facebook, Steve Wildo joined us. On Twitter, it's at Joanne underscore K9JKM, at Arm Turkey, at K5DCC, at W8EEO, at Ham Doge, at KG8DZ, at B1RK Owen, and at K3CAN underscore US. On YouTube, Michael Afrato and Ron and Ikebon2008 joined us. Mailing list, there was no one, and merchandise sales was David Okuno. Yep, David Okuno bought some stickers. <gasps> stickers, which I had to go find tonight, but I found some. So. Sweet. You just left the garage door open. I know I did. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled in the driveway and went, huh, well, Russ apparently felt like leaving the house today. The garage door's open. Yeah, I had to go find <laughs> the stickers. So, And uh, I want to say one more thing about stickers, because uh, I, I just got an email from Sticker Hub that they wanted to try to sell out of those 3D uh, stickers. <laughs> the uh the ones that are like glowy <laughs> yeah yeah so they uh they tempted me with another 19 dollars for 50 stickers <laughs> with free shipping so yeah so i have i will have a, a hundred of those that'll be bringing to hamvention as well so we'll probably have to do a sticker inventory and and see what we got of the regular ones as well not many um not i think many. i think we have probably 50 or 60 is that what we've got like? i think about okay. that yeah Okay, I'll I'll take a look and see what I have left too, and uh, we'll definitely have to bring some stickers. Yeah, I do want to mention that Robert Black was a new subscriber. He's I think he subscribed about a month ago, and I missed it, so <gasps> I oh, mentioned him extra. Thank you, Robert. Thank yeah. you, <laughs> and thank you to everybody who listens to this program or who you know participates in some way. And also, if you're listening at this point, please donate to our Hamvention campaign. We really need the support. Uh, it's getting close, and those numbers are not going up at this point. So, and we might need to buy masks to avoid COVID. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> or, excuse me, not masks, respirators. Respirators. Yes. Yeah. We might need yeah, our lungs by the time we get movement. there. Who knows? I haven't had any movement since uh, Sterling. Man, uh, uh, 
gave a donation 11 days ago. So definitely get it on that, uh, Hamvention campaign for us. And, uh, I know we have to pay the booth pretty soon. So yes, uh, we yeah, do. Like in, uh, two weeks. If, if that, but it's close. Yeah, it's coming a week up or close. Two, yeah. So. <laughs> so. so please get in there. Every little five dollars or whatever helps though. A- anything at all helps. Yes. And they only take a real small cut of the, you know, it's like two percent. No, it's not even that. I don't think. Yeah, so, it's it's very little. So, uh, so your money actually goes where you put it. It's not not going to uh, GoFundMe. And uh, the URL for that, by the way, is url.bcts.info/stroke/hv2020. So please get out there and donate. And with that, we are down to the end of the show. We had Don Casey nine ZMY and Ted WA zero EIR with us tonight. Uh, we also had Steve, KA7HVT, and I think, if I remember right, we had someone who was asking about the show earlier who's probably listening, and that was KM4HSD. So I want to make sure we get everybody in there, and with that, I believe we're done. So this has been episode number 329 of Linux in the Hamshack, and in a few days we'll have episode number 330 which will be the weekender so stay tuned for that but for now we're out of here i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill any 4rd 73 For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.
Linux in the Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.